and welcome back episode number 78 of the New York Pinches podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Brian Luca. And today we're going to be discussing the Jesper Foss talk, kids, Kreider, coaches, and more. Also, I wanted to mention to all of you that in the future, we will be letting you all know in advance when the episodes won't release the usual early Monday mornings and release either late Monday afternoon or late Monday night. Again, it's always early Monday mornings unless we say otherwise beforehand. Uh, and we will make sure to do a better job on that. I do apologize. There was a last minute thing that came up. But anyways, just want to let you all know to go to insidetherink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And welcome back, guys. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, it kind of it's uh, it sucks being out of the playoffs at this point, but the playoffs have been interesting at least so far the second round has kind of been a dud all around uh i mean like it's just been there's been like two close games the entire second round uh how about that 10 p.m game i that that, i don't like it it sucks but like i don't blame the nhl for it because they tried they tried so right it wasn't their fault in the end espn wouldn't like people ripped the nhl about it but it's not the nhl's fault they asked the espn to move it espn said no and they couldn't go to TNT. They wouldn't trade the the games. So it is what it is. It was, it was a freaking scheduling conflict, and that's what it is. But also it was a, what, 8 p.m. start West Coast time. So it's not like they, you know, it is what it is. I don't, that, it doesn't bother me. I stayed up and watched it, mainly because I, I had a parlay that was going. Uh, I hit the first, th- I hit five out of the six legs of the parlay. The last one that didn't hit was dry sidle scoring. So uh that was uh fun to stay up for that last night and have that not come true so yeah but you know i know we uh sometimes rant about nhl's uh marketing skills but yeah like if if it's from what people have said if it's true that you know espn chose a regular season baseball game i that's uh very interesting considering they went there to apparently quote unquote grow the game. But anyway, anyway, yeah. Um there's 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 so many th- contractual shit with all that that I I you know what I mean? Like there I'm are, even, but how many times I'm not, do I, I'm we... not gonna I'm not gonna jump on it and judge anyone in it because quite frankly, that that's that's all bureaucratical red tape shit that I just don't know anything about. So I'm just gonna leave it alone. Yeah, I mean, if that is the case, then yeah, maybe the NHL is to blame on that. But also, it's also we're just so used to the NHL fumbling every single opportunity that I don't blame anyone who leaped to blame the NHL for having sure. a 10 p.m. East Coast playoff game seven uh, uh, situation going on. Wait, was that six? I've been so six. Six. Okay. Yeah. I apologize to, to, to listeners. I, I've been uh, I've been moving this past week, so I've been very checked out on everything right now. Uh, so yeah. But anyway, point is, I didn't blame anyone that lead to you know castigate the NHL for that because that's just kind of typical of what you'd expect them to do. So, um, but yeah, moving along. No, it was it was funny that what you mentioned because like me and my brother were discussing it earlier that day about the NHL marketing or how they mess up all of a sudden that tweet that uh thing pops out and uh it's just like oh like you're assuming not the tweet that's saying that the NHL tried but like everyone talking about it's a 10 p.m game and it's just like oh here's another thing now but uh yeah it it, it was I yeah I, I totally agree 
I can't obviously blame people for jumping. Heck, I jumped at them, but uh, it seems like they actually did try to work things out. And uh, yeah, fortunately, people valued uh, regular season baseball in May. Um, moving on, uh, you, you right before we jumped on started recording. Obviously, there's not a lot of Ranger news this week. Uh, there's really no news on the coaching front. There's just like speculation of who the Rangers might be interested in. People are pulling up, you know, who Drury has played with, played for, played against uh, at various points of his career, like Jay Pandolfo. They're uh, in college together. He had a really good start to his uh, college coaching career at BU, I think it is. Uh, you know, there's Patrick Waugh rumors. There's Mike Sullivan rumors. Uh, I think they're kind of waiting on the shooter drop in Toronto to see if Dubas gets that job. There's rumors that if Dubas gets fired – uh, then he goes to Pittsburgh and then he cleans house with Pittsburgh and then Sullivan could be the answer if he cleans house. Like, so there, there's, there's so many moving parts that nothing's actually happened. And that's, but there has been some Jesper Foss stuff going on, obviously. And people have been talking about how Jesper is a free agent to be again. Um, and obviously I just want to throw this out there. I threw $5 on Jesper to score the overtime game winning goal and he did hit it. No way. So it's no, it's I, pretty it's pretty cool to incredible. see it's pretty cool to see the devils eliminated and then also make money off of it. Um so that's that that was fun. Um but uh what are your guys' thoughts on Jesper Fast obviously you know people are trying to get Panarin going and you know uh you know obviously Panarin during the regular season has continued to put up 90 point seasons but what uh uh what is the key to getting the best out of him in the postseason? Because let's just throw the idea of him getting traded in the offseason out because that's not happening. So uh, what are the best ways to get him going? And yes, is yes for Foss the answer? Where does, where does yes for Foss play in, in Carolina's lineup? Is he second line? Right uh, you know what? I'm going to pull it up right now. Uh, Sorry, I'm pulling it up on left wing lock right now, and it's just taking some time. Yeah, um, no. Uh, uh, unless there's a uh, last second switch up for the episode this week, it's all good. And uh... I, it's it's taken a minute to load, but I believe last time I checked, he was a third line winger with Stall as the center. Um, now, obviously, that's a different role than the one that the Rangers would ask of him. Um. Oh, apparently we have to log into. What? What is that? That's bullshit. I guess answer the question, then, or at least try to attempt to answer the question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I, I, I don't necessarily think that one player drastically changes what Artemi Panarin will do in a playoff series. I do think his game. It's just, it's so much of what he does is like is taking a bunch of high-risk plays and making them work. But when they don't work, they really, really don't work. And that's just the kind of game that, like, is fine in the regular season but just isn't great for the playoffs in general. It's not that big a deal in a regular season game because you see him make these incredible, you know, backhand, no-look kind of passes across the, you know, east-west passes, tape-to-tape. See him do that, and you're like, oh, my God, he can do anything. But then when he tries to do that and, you know, it gets picked off and it goes the other way – you know, in, in a game in January, you're not all that pissed off about it. But 
you can't do that in the game, you know, in, in, in April and May when that actually really matters. I, I, I just fundamentally don't think that one player is going to drastically change what his production is going to look like. It's just the kind of player that he is. And he's an amazing player and I love him, but I, I don't know if he's a guy that you can really count on in the playoffs, uh, regardless of who's playing with him. Um, that's just kind of where I've resolved to be with Panarin uh, is that he's a great guy. He's going to help you win a bunch of games in the regular season. But if he's your go-to guy in the playoffs, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the the best way to to get far in a playoff run. I don't think he's actually going to hurt you. I don't think he's actually going to keep you from winning a Stanley Cup. But I don't think he can be the guy. No, I, I think enough. that's I think that's definitely fair. Um, and I know we weren't going to talk about coaches here. That I did want to mention this one thing because we actually didn't talk about him. Uh, last episode is Keith. Um, I get no it. chance in hell I would fucking no I chance in hell I would fucking touch no him with absolutely seventy five foot pole. So I get like as we said last week a change of scenery in any coach. Like we don't know exactly who they could be right in that change of scenery. I would not gamble that with Sheldon. I mean. We were talking about problems, how our veterans, our, our big players, um, whether you, whether you could say it's 50-50 on the coaching players or 75, this, I, I don't care. The point is, is that we weren't getting the best out of our best players. And while there is blame on their side, you had to get a coach to try to bring it out of them. And bringing a guy that literally is known right now that's having a problem with that, it just makes no sense whatsoever to bring in. Um, this is... This is the thing I'll say about Keith coming from Toronto to the Rangers, hypothetically. Like, the Rangers are a team that is similarly built like Toronto. Now, Toronto has more offensive firepower, more superstars, but the Rangers have the better goalie. Um, but the Rangers still have, like, those high-powered, skilled players. But he didn't get any – you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not like he's going from, like – a team. It's not. It's not like he's going from a completely different team to a completely uh, new team. It's. It's a very similar team in the sense that there's no. Uh, I think both teams have similar issues. Is my. I guess what I'm getting at, and they have similar things they need to bring in Ryan O'Reilly type players, players that uh, can create space in the middle, uh, players that can go to the middle, drive uh, the net, and players. You know what they need. They need players that don't overthink and don't try to make the game too complex. They need players that just do. And we have too many players that try to outsmart the opponents that take a little bit of time rather than just charging at them. Now, obviously, you don't want to charge at them without any brains, but I'm saying, you get what I'm saying? Like, with Seattle, right? They're right after you. Carolina, they're just charging at you. With the Rangers, they're, like, either standing still out of it or they're trying to, like, second-guess everything. And... Like the fourth line, right? That was the one line that occasionally that looked really good because as unfortunate as it was, because, you know, it's the fourth line, is that they just played simple. They dumped it in. They chased with the luck. Now, I'm not saying for the top six to play simple, simple, because there's that skill, but they overdid it. And I'm not saying I would go after Jesper Foss specifically, nor that if we could even afford him. But you need those type of players that just take the initiative. They don't. They don't just wait. No, I yeah. agree. I think. I think there's. Sorry, there's a. There's a. There. There has to be a mixture of 
players who create and players who don't even think about creating plays and players who just go and muck it around. You know what I mean? Um, now there's some players that could do both like Matt Kachuk, who obviously is having a great playoff. Um, and there's, there's certain players that could do both, but obviously like you need a mixture of the two. And right now I don't think they have the right mixture. Um, and, you know, instead of obviously people are talking about Foster because he's a free agent, but like, I, I propose this idea. Why, why can't Tyler Mott do what Jesper Foss did? I mean, I Tyler Mott is a, is a pretty damn good skater. I feel like he could jump into that line if, if it's, you know, depending on who the next coach is, like Panarin, Trocek, or Panarin, Heedle, Mott. Like, I, I, I feel like that could be something worth uh, exploring. I don't necessarily see them as very, very uh, different players. I feel like they both kind of are very similar in uh, in stature and the way they – I mean, Jesper's a little bigger, uh, and he's put up more points consec- uh, consistently, but is that because of the players that he's played with uh, as opposed to Mott? So I don't know. I'd argue, though, that – I'm sorry. No, I just want to mention that. I'd argue that – this is going to be the wrong word because it's not exactly this, but I'm, I'm trying to come up with the right word here to explain why it's it's Ross and Mon are different just from my perspective. I don't know. The first word that comes to mind, it's not really accurate, accurate, is hands. Um, it just feels like he's more I don't know, as much he's more as, skilled. He's much more skilled. And it just feels like the one thing you could say about Mon is that he has a bit of stone hands. And with Jesper Foss, he's able to move around a little bit more. His mobility also is there. Um Power Mott is perfect for the fourth line, but I don't think he has. And also, I, I don't know this because I don't think we've ever seen him in the position to see it, but his IQ level to keep up with those type of players, right? Like those elite players that you have, I I'm, don't, I want to come with another example besides whoever plays with Crosby also, but like every time you see those elite players play with those somewhat third line fourth line players the one element to all those fourth third line players all they consistently have is their iq and those smarts they're able to keep up with those stars i don't know if mont has that i don't know if we've ever seen him in the position to see it but it's also that it feels like jesper foss has that killer instinct um trait with you know just finishing it off and i don't know if mont has that yeah, I would say a similar thing that Tyler Mott is such a good fourth liner that he does make you think, well, what if he plays up in the lineup? But I do think what you said is accurate, that he he just doesn't have enough scoring touch and playmaking ability and, and hands and, and whatnot to be able to, you know, play in a, in a top six sort of role like that. But again, I, I think, and we were talking about this before we started recording, I, I think really that big thing isn't that our roster is so poorly constructed or that there's a guy that's going to unlock everyone. It really is effort and buy-in. And I, I see that now just exemplified so much in Florida Panthers and what they're doing. Um, that team being led by the effort of Matthew Kachuk. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, as I said before, I, I, I hated him to begin with. He just has a punchable face and he's always just mixing it up and he's such an annoying player. 
but he's just so damn good. And he leads that team by example. Like he never gives up on a play. He's always giving the extra effort. And I feel like you can have a roster that when you look at their roster, it's like, yeah, they have a good, they have a lot of good offensive firepower. They have a bunch of guys that can score. Their defense is pretty suspect. And, and they have a goalie who's capable of playing really well in, in, in Bob, but also can be, he's really hot and cold, you know? So it's like, that's not a team that really looks like a deep run playoff team at first glance, but they're doing it. And I think the big difference between them this year and them last year is Matthew Kachuk and the example that he leads by. And that's a team that's actually bought in. You're seeing that also again, uh, like you mentioned before this, with the Kraken as well. And it's like, if you don't have a team that is just like relentless on a forecheck and refuses to give you time and space and is just constantly driving the net, that team always has a chance uh, to win series. And you cannot just rely on pure list checking off on roster construction saying, you know, we have all this because if those guys aren't working and making that extra effort, it doesn't fucking matter. It just doesn't. No. And one thing actually I wanted to ask you guys is would you consider putting Kreider on the third line now? Yeah. Um, because 5v5, he, he he's a power play specialist, right? And if you really finally want to give the kids a chance, you give them the time and you give them the best position. Like left runner is a left winger. Can you play right wing? Sure. The question of why can't wingers play on their offhand? Uh, I think we've discussed about it before. It matters to certain players. It doesn't. It shouldn't to others like Kreider. And I don't know why it's a problem with him, but it, for some reason it is. Um, I I personally think unless the only way I would have Kreider on the top line is if you had that Kreider's advantage at Kako line. Because uh, that was the one line that really, really stood out with, you know, Kreider on it. And that that's that's really it. But, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? You guys think that Lafreniere should just be thrown on that top line, I mean, sink or swim? To me, to me uh, Kreider is emblematic of the problem with this team in that there's a lot of talent there, but the effort is is not always there. And uh, if you watch him, if you just isolate and watch him going through a lot of shifts, it's like he is just floating around, kind of waiting to make a play. I mean, what does it matter what hand he's playing on? I mean, honest to God. Like Panarin, I get, right? Because he has to bring not, it back. He's not, carrying, he's not carrying the puck into the zone fucking ever. He's never teeing off for a one-timer fucking ever. It's not his game. It shouldn't matter where the fuck he is. He's going to float around. He's going to sit in front of the net, which is what he's good at. And like you said, that to me, he's a power play specialist, essentially, in that he's like a tip machine. He's like the best the league has seen in quite some time. But that's about all that he really fucking does. I don't see why he can't play on any other hand. But also, his effort level is emblematic of what this team's problem is. So, yeah, put him on the fucking third line. I'm not sure Lafreniere is ready to be up there. I don't know if he's – is he fast enough and relentless enough to be part of a really aggressive forecheck? What I'm hoping is, is that they gave him they give him that skating coach they gave Kako, or I don't know if they specifically gave it to him, but he, he's right. got a serious amount of work to do if yeah. he wants to show everyone he's even remotely what people thought he was gonna be. You know, I think that there's there's a there's definitely talent there. It's just a matter of is he going to do anything and everything it takes to unlock it and that's that that's where we're at with him now because so far no the answer to that is no um 
So like people could talk about like coaches and giving them opportunity and shit. Like it really comes down to uh is he gonna seize it? You know what I mean? Is he gonna seize the opportunities that he gets? Because like the more like he's already gone through two coaches now, you know what I mean? Like all of them have. Uh how many more opportunities do you get? You know what I mean? It's not not every single coach is is a moron. Not every single coach sucks. Uh, you know, I don't know. You I, think I, this I is his last point. season? No, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, are you – how many opportunities? Well, what if I said, though, that he only pots 20, 30 points this season? I mean, what are you, what are you saying? Last season is in, like, this – and then he's out of the league or – No, you know no, I mean, like, I'm talking about trade. Like, obviously, uh, you don't trade a player like that unless you get – a fair return, which you're not going to get, right? And salary cap casualty does not make sense because the whole point of a cap casualty is to either replace that player with a player who makes the same that's better, which is not going to happen for, what, 2.4 mil? It's not going to happen. Uh, someone who is less that could play like that, not going to happen. Uh, to use the, that money to a better player, it's everyone's locked inside some Miller and we have enough. So, like, there's no point. And, you know, a player that did still pot 40 points. Um, it's not going to happen. Basically, what I'm trying to get to here is, is like, let's say we are in January. Uh, the Rangers have given him, have finally now given him the opportunity to seize the moment, and it is not working whatsoever. What do you do then? Do you try to trade him then? And I know this is, I'm asking, you know, almost not a year, but roughly to it. How many more chances is he going to get? Fair enough, he hasn't gotten a bunch of fair chances, but I'm asking how many from now? I think that he's I, – I, I don't know. I think that this next there's, – there's, there's two things I think that really go into this. One, if Brendan Othman blows up and comes out the gate and plays phenomenal, you know what I mean? And he has like 45, 50 points in his rookie year, which is, I'm not going to bank on it, but I'm just saying if it happens. And what we're talking about Lafreniere, if he continues to struggle, if that happens, then I think there is a real conversation about it. Um, I think this next head coach is very, this could be his last uh, shot with the Rangers. Uh, whether that, and I, I'm not necessarily saying that's one year. It might be two years. It might be three. I also don't want to give up on players that are 21 years old. I think right, that's exactly. Um, I think that you I mean Tage Thompson is a perfect example in Buffalo. Um, I think you need to give these kids time to actually develop because the the word develop means growing over time. It's not like you're you know a microwave. Um, you know, so I, I think that's something that, that has to be taken into consideration, but I do think this next head coach is, is something that is very, uh, pivotal to his career and how he handles it. Um, I, that's why I, I, they really need to nail this, uh, this next head coach, because this is really kind of still the best opportunity for them. Um, they need to unlock and they're going to go as far as the kids let them. And if the kids don't let them go far, then 
I'm not going to say they're screwed because you still have the possibility of Offman coming up and playing really well. Um, I, I think that he's a really, really, really talented player who kind of maybe not exactly like Kachuk, but he kind of could possibly fit that mold. Uh, you know, obviously later on in his career down the line. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I agree with you. I think this next year is uh, really important for him. I don't know if I answered your question or danced around it, but that's my answer. Yeah, I mean, I think with Lafreniere, he's, he's going to get – I mean, the thing is, he comes out, he has another dud of a year. His trade value is going to be absolutely fucking nil anyway. So and they're not going to want to sell ultra low on a guy that they're going to probably have signed at least for another year, you know, uh, especially at that young – you know they're going to give him. They're going. He's going to get another two years of 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 runway to to do something. Um, you know whether or not he's bust or not. You know, obviously a lot of people are going to be talking about that. I don't really think that is the actual conversation. It, it's that I, it's pretty clear now he's not ever going to be a superstar. I think it's questionable whether he'll even be a star player. It's more like can he be a good player? Can mm. he be? You know. And that's really uh, what the conversation should be with him. And, and honestly, I, I think it's pretty fair for anyone to say that there's no chance that he ever should have been a first overall draft pick. Um, and it just goes to show how bad people are at actually scouting and projecting out players because, Jesus, I mean, you see him play and you see his skating and go, well, oh, yeah, well, his skating's not great, but he's good at everything else. What's like, what do you think is going to happen in the NHL? When, well, when to, to be fair, there are stars that aren't the greatest skaters. Um, and the other concern, I believe, who, we who, mentioned. Who's an, who, who is an ultra pro, pro, uh, an ultra productive uh, all-star forward that is not a good skater? I'm not going to say the left front ears degree. That's fair. But I'm saying is there are players you can be an effective you can be an effective player without being without being an exceptional skater. That that's that's true. But I, I can't. I struggle to think of somebody that's actually really, really. Brett Holt. Huh? Brett Holt. Obviously, yeah. it's, not, it's not the same game, but I'm just throwing out the best. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, that's skater. a good answer. I mean, I mean, and basically, and that's what you get down to. The only players that are the only forwards that are able to do that are like unbelievable snipers. That yeah. that's about if you have just an absolute lights out shot. That's about the only way you can do it. Otherwise, you don't have. You're not able to create time and space to be a great playmaker or get around guys or make plays happen on your own. If you are skating at Lafreniere's level, you, the, the ceiling for where you're able to go is pretty limited. So at, at this point, it's like figuring out, can he be a good player for us? And yeah, we need to give him the opportunity. But to answer your question, Burke, the actual question is, I, I don't think next year is the test. It, it'll, you know, because he's going to get a two-year contract. Um and I think they'll let him ride it out because he's young enough and see if he can turn into something that's productive. But um, I, I I don't see, you know, if he has another shit year, what's his trade value going to be? Like, what are you going to get back for him? And at that no. point, it's worth, it's worth, it's worth waiting out and seeing like, can we make him, you know, an affordable, good contributor at that point? I don't think, I don't think trade him is going to do anything. Right. Like the whole thing now is that you, you're not going to get a superstar, but you still can get, a contrib a solid contributor. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to say you're not you're not replacing 40 points for he'll he'll probably get around two to two million to two point like two. 
roughly the like same as be, Kako's. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll be his contract. So you're not going to replace 40 points with a contract that is you you might have to pay more. So right. it's, it's you're not, you're not getting rid of him and getting uh, more production for less money. Um, yeah. What about so, Kako? Uh, has I? It's just to me that while he hasn't put up the points, he's shown so much more than Lafreniere has ever had. Yeah, and also he's had an extra year. So it's it's not just that though. It's that even when he was at his lowest points, he still had a few flashes. It was either that he was a monster with puck possession or something. But Lafreniere, no, only- no, but that but before this year you wouldn't have said that. Last year he was hurt for the majority of the year. Uh, and he went into the playoffs and was benched the last game of the playoffs. So, like, to, you know what I mean? Like, we have an extra year, and that this past year for Kako was much better, and like that's why everyone is much more, much higher on him than Lafreniere, obviously, right now because of this past year and their production point wise. Not not necessarily was there, but his you saw it in the skating, you saw it in the puck possession, you saw it uh, in the battle on the boards, you saw everything uh, that you wanted except the points from him. So I don't think it's unreasonable to see a similar jump next year for Lafreniere, but you have to take into consideration that the things we just saw from Kako are, uh, you know, uh, changing our impression of him uh, immediately. You know what I mean? Like, well, last, I mean, no, but season, even, 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 even last year, even though he was injured, like basically half the season there, he still had, like, at least you could say, well, he's great at puck position. Well, he's good at this. Like, it seemed that there was a little more to his game, at least that you could say, okay, this is where you could build off, rather than Lafreniere that has, what, the two highlight real goals a year? Yeah. yeah. I would say that, but I also, like, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, it's, no, it's, I get what you're saying based off the projection that it is now Lafreniere is, uh, what is it now? Fourth, this will be his no. It's not his year. third. It's third. Right, right. It's third. I don't know why. Said this, is, this is we're going into his fourth. Holy cow! It's already the fourth. Yep. Well, wow, time flies. Um, time flies when you're having mediocre years. I do. I I know we say it every single year. This is the year Kako is going to break out, and then it's like over and over and over again. Um. And I'm probably going to look foolish for saying this, but it really does feel like he's just bound for finally the points to come. It's. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's all contingent upon who the coach is and, and the type of system that, that they play. I think that they really need to, it's so important. They they really need to nail this. Um, I, re- I really, and I don't know who the best option is. I really don't. No. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and just going back to Kako real quick, I, I, Kako is just so fundamentally different than Lafreniere in a lot of ways in that you can actually see the skill there. The one thing is that I I, I question whether or not he's going to be able to find that finishing touch. If he does, though, my God, my God, it could be amazing. Um, yeah. He can, he can still be a star player. Uh, but I, I do question whether he does have that finishing touch, just like, just like Heedle is like 
always seems like he's on the precipice of being an incredible player. Um, and, you know, at, at one point this year, uh, you know, up until it was like February 9th, I believe, because it was right around my brother's birthday, he was on a heater and he was like, at that point, I think he was on pace for nearly 40 goals. And I was like, oh man. And then he all of a sudden just like died down for literally like a month and a half before he scored another goal again. Um, but he's done it like, before. There were two yeah, other times he has, in his he, career. Like, he seems like he's a, like, is he actually going to put it all together? Um, and it's a, you know, who's the fucking say? You, you really don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of guys that have had a ton of talent, um, but they just can't actually find that final piece to become a real legit scorer. And, and like, one of the things I see Kaka do a lot is, there's a lot of times where where he defers, which is obviously a problem. But there's a lot of times even when he gets a puck, uh, that he just kind of fires it. That he's not like even when he is in a shoot mode, like he doesn't take that extra little look to see where he's going and just kind of jams it in, sort of thing. Heedle was guilty of doing that for a long time too. Um, and the really good scores, you know, they'll make that extra half step move to get a better angle on the shot and whatnot. And that's kind of the ba- the basic of the bones of like what that scoring touch actually is. It's not just like pinpoint accuracy and whatnot. It's like knowing what you have to do, having the mental clarity and the poise to be able to know I need to make one little move here. I need to do this or right now I need to fire it. And sometimes I see the kids being just a little 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 jammy you know where they're just like yeah, yeah. you're just trying to slam it in sort of thing um there's there's one coach that i'm really interested in exploring is patrick wah and people calm down before you jump down my throat uh his first year in colorado was matt duchene's best offensive season uh at the time it was nathan kennan's rookie year uh he had a phenomenal year. Um, Landis Gog had a great year. Like you had uh, all these players that played phenomenal under him that during that first season. Now there was a dramatic dip in his second and third year. Um, but, and then that, then he ended up obviously leaving uh, right at, or shortly after his third season. Um, but I, he's an interesting guy who I do think they're going to kick the tires on. Um, he's been coaching in the A or the OH or no Quebec junior hockey league right now, I think. Um, so he has experience with younger players quite a bit. Um, and he saw, there's a lot of players who saw dramatic growth under him. Um, now I don't know if that's necessarily going to translate to these three. Um, but that is something slash someone who has experience, who's won a Jack Adams award, uh, that's that. That is someone who I think is going to have a serious shot at this. It's also, former teammates with Drury. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I wouldn't hate it. You know, I mean, uh, I'm all about not doing another retread and trying somebody who you know might be the next Cooper or Sullivan or whatever. Like getting that guy before he's that guy. Um, I, another old head that that's that's still stuck, you know, playing a '90s game. I'm not interested in, so I'm fine with them rolling the dice. Um, yeah, 
Uh, um, I, I'd be good with that. I really don't care, honestly, because I don't think anyone knows, and we'll just have to wait and see what it, what it is anyway. As long as it's not another retread, the same old, same old, just can't do it yeah. anymore. Otherwise, we should have just kept Glant, you know, like as yeah. far as that style of coach goes, like whatever, you know. That's why I, I'd go Knobloch because that's the one where we don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah, Knobloch, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you go with that. It's, All right, uh, Brian, you, you going to take us home here? Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I got one question for you since tonight, the last game of the second round. Who do you got, Seattle or Dallas? How crazy is it that both expansion teams couldn't meet in the conference finals? I love it, actually. And also, you have Florida, who's one of the newer franchises. Obviously, they came in in 94, but they're still one of the newer franchises in the league. Um, so I think it's actually really cool that you got Carolina, Florida, Vegas, and possibly Seattle. Um, I'm going Seattle with a with dirty dog upset in, in Dallas tonight. Uh, I want Dallas to win, so I'm going to say Dallas. Um, mm. I'm honestly surprised that the series has gone to seven. So am I. Um, I did not think the Kraken had it in them to take down Dallas. I think Dallas is a much better team overall, but uh, the Kraken are relentless. So, uh, but yeah, I'm still. I, I think I think Dallas back against the wall. They're going to get it done. So so far, I have picked every series right in the West. If wow. Dallas wins tonight, I would have picked everything correct as well. Wow, well done. The East is not the same at all. It's a shit show. But yeah, but you got Florida. I I had them losing the second round to Toronto though. Uh, yeah, no, I I thought like those type of teams that have that like rally. It's such a mentally exhausting after yeah. that. Where I thought they'd just fall apart after that, but. Wow, credit one do. Yep. Who do you got tonight? Dallas in overtime. I think it's going to OT. Okay. All right. I like that. Uh, one thing, though, one thing I, I did want to mention, obviously, we kind of went off the rails here after that. Uh, we never really concluded. I believe if there's a scenario when you either trade Goudreau, you give off and Miller Bridge deals, if let's say there would theoretically be women there, odds based looking off this, it seems unlikely. What would you give Jesper Faust or Jesper Faust like player? I would cap it at three, three million. I mean, to me, you're replacing Goudreau with him. I think that's the that's the player you have to get rid of. So I'd keep it at three million. Give yourself a little bit more wiggle room, but I'd try and do it less and just give him more years. But that's that's what I would do. I, I I don't even know how to engage in a hypothetical like that because we can't afford them. <laughs> yeah, we probably know. I mean, no, we, we probably can't. It's yeah. You know, it's like who 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 can we find that that'll that'll fit? you probably are going to have to look 1. at one point two million. <laughs> no, but that's the thing, right? You have to also leave out cap space for to accumulate till the trade deadline, and. It's probably impossible anyway. You're probably going to have to try something like you did with Jimmy oh, Vesey last year. We're not anything for the trade deadline. You are delusional. No, no, no. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not saying seven million, but I'm talking about if you if you do trade Goudreau and you give off the Miller Bridge deals, there is. I don't know exactly how much you'd accumulate because it doesn't really say trade deadline, but 
it's possible to get like three, four million. It's a cumulative yeah. trade deadline. I feel like we're we're going to be we're going to be looking like like we're, we're probably screwed. I'm I'm just we're gonna be looking telling at you like there is a scenario where it's like possible. Well, we're going to need to yeah we're going to you're going to have to do what you did with Jimmy VC. You're going to have to do like one of those. Yeah, Look, there's so many there's so many hypotheticals about roster and cap space that like I can't even like begin to get into it right now. So uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's head coach is the first priority. I, I I can't even think about it. So that's yeah, it. I agree. Yep. All right. Any anything you guys want to add before we wrap this up? Go go cracking. Go crackheads. Go Dallas. And uh, you know, actually there was this thing. I went to a Dallas game with my cousin. We were sitting next to this guy who the whole time just kept on saying, come on, Dad, come on, Dad, let's go, let's go with, uh, just like that. Like, almost like he was, like, quasi, like, halfway between, like, a Texas and a Cajun accent. And so we say that to each other all the time now. So I just want to say, come on, Dad, let's go, let's go, let's go with. Um, and uh, also that Winter Soldier is still not a top 10 Marvel movie. And uh, Oh, well, I won, the, won the Twitter polls somewhere. Well, yeah, well, it was I'm close. Going to see, I'm going to see oh, Guardians. The majority of people are always right. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, oh, okay. It was close though. That's the <laughs> it was close. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing Guardians three tonight. Yeah, I'm no. seeing it tonight. So. Oh, you are nice. Yeah. All right. All righty. Uh, yeah. Thanks to the listeners. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you guys.